Oh, we're getting a lot of uh, Easter offering, Annie Armstrong videos and stuff coming uh, your way. But this is an important time of year uh, for offerings for missions in North America uh, and in Canada. And we'll be taking that offering up during the Easter season. Um, we are going to, please don't worry if you're wondering uh, if there's an elephant in the room that we're not addressing. We are going to take some time at the end of the service to talk about and pray about Southern Baptist response to what's happening in Ukraine and pray for Ukrainians. Uh, who are displaced within their country uh, into the countries around. Um, I've got a lot of interesting news to share with you about that. We've been in contact with a lot of our Southern Baptist and Polish Baptist partners in Poland uh, over the weekend and have a lot to tell you about what they're doing there. Um, um, so we'll get to that. Um, if you're joining us in Spanish, I know there's a couple of you today in here joining us in Spanish. Is it working? We got uh, Renee on the line. No? You've got it? Okay, so maybe yours is dead. Do you have a light on it? No? No light? Grab a different one. I think your battery's dead. Ah, we've got extra batteries, but I think there's a couple extra units back there. So part of working out the bugs, you got audio? Okay, good. All right, part of working out the bugs is finding out how it works every week <laughs> and what challenges are going to happen. So there will be normally somebody back there to help with batteries if batteries go dead. Um, I believe, Alicia, this coming week, We'll be inviting folks, right, to next Sunday. So we should expect uh, there to be some folks here next Sunday uh, listening in Spanish. So a few weeks ago, we were introduced to the fact that Paul had a pattern of teaching. Paul's pattern, Paul's example. Um, we didn't have time to flesh that pattern out completely. And, and while we don't have time today to completely unpack it, we are going to at least run through that pattern because I want you uh, to at least have an idea what we're going to be talking about. But later this year, after this series is over, after Easter passes, um, we're going to pick this pattern up again. Uh, we're going to take a close looker, a closer, a close looker, closer look at it. Uh, I like close looker. We're going to take a close looker at it and we're going to unpack it piece by piece. Uh, so that we can learn it uh, and, and memorize it and, and receive it and use it. But today we're going to take a 50,000-foot view. So we're going to be like satellite view. We're looking from above what this looks like. Um, let's read our passage for the day. We're only going to do one verse again this week. Um, believe it or not, we are actually getting very close to the end of the series. Um, so let's read Philippians 4.9. It says this, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and of God of peace will be with you. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, Father in heaven, we ask that you provide for us today understanding of what this passage means and a challenge to become uh, purveyors of the pattern, those who know it and live it, and share it, and see it replicate. Lord, so teach us what Paul's pattern is. In Jesus' name, amen. See, Paul had this pattern of teaching, and he would leave it wherever he went. Uh, sometimes he was only in a town for weeks before a church would be started, and he would leave and move to another place and leave them behind with the pattern that they would replicate. So we want to get a handle on what these uh, pattern parts are first part of the verse says this. I'm going to read it again. Whatever you have learned and, and, and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. 
Now remember what Paul's talking about here is a pattern of teaching that he was accustomed to handing off, and he would leave it with new churches, new leaders, and new Christ followers so that they would know what living the Christian life looks like. Paul said this pattern was acquired in four ways, learning, receiving, hearing, and seeing. Learning is listening to and watching Paul or watching those who were sharing the example, as we'll discover a little bit later. Paul wasn't the only one who had this pattern of teaching. Peter also taught regularly about it. But they would watch and they would listen and they would see the person who knew the pattern living it out, and then they would begin to learn it themselves. Um, receiving it, is, uh, it, it sounds the same as learning, but receiving comes with a, um, a different kind of note to it, and that is you can hear something, right, without receiving it. I hear a lot of things that I don't receive. <laughs> Turn on the news, uh, watch social media, right? There are a lot of things that you can listen to and not receive. So Paul is saying, not only do you listen to this, not only do you learn it, but you also receive it. You integrate it into your life. You, you believe it. You trust it. Um, he says, hearing. Uh, they heard about what Paul was doing, and they heard him teach. And then the last thing was seeing, um, and they, that was just simply watching. Uh, again, as we've spoken through uh, the passages uh, in Philippians, we've seen Paul teach over and over again about what you've seen me do. Imitate me. How you've observed me and my example, now imitate. Paul is also clear that after learning, receiving, hearing, and seeing the pattern that the church uh, and the Christ followers in Philippi and us by extension would now put these principles into action. It was not enough just to hear something and receive it and learn it and listen to it and watch it, but it was also necessary to put it into action. 1 John 3, 18 through 20 says, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before Him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and He knows everything. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. It's important uh, to do what we say, right? It's important to do what we say we're going to do, to live out the life that Paul and Peter and Jesus uh, and the other writers of the Old and New Testament set out before us. It's important for us not just to receive that, but to actually do it. So, we're going to launch into a quick outline now of the pattern. Before we get into this, I want to mention that this outline, uh, this pattern, um, I'll, I'll make it available to you at some point. I don't, I don't have a printout for you today of it, um, but we are going to take it apart and dissect it part by part. This was part of our missionary training by the International Mission Board over 20 years ago before we moved to Poland. Um, we had a, a couple of days, I don't know, maybe it's even been a week of talking about this pattern because they want... Um, missionaries to be prepared uh, when they go into the countries that they're going to to, to cross-culturally plant the gospel in ways that are received by the culture, both you know culturally and linguistically, but also they want to make sure that you have a solid theological base, if you will. Um, and so as we look at this pattern and the scriptures that are going to be cited, we discover not only Peter and Paul, but other disciples and apostles passed this on in the early church into the believers, but this wasn't the IMB's idea. Um, 
this goes back to Scripture. So this isn't a, a, a pattern that's just been made up. Uh, it is some of the uh, theologians who have looked at this best idea of what Paul's pattern and example of teaching that were handed down to churches would look like. All right, so let's start. The pattern of teaching by Paul uh, and also Peter and then other disciples. The first point, Jesus is the rock upon which everything else is built. Um, I think intrinsically we know this, right? Uh, we, we sing songs about uh, the rock of my salvation, um, that Jesus is the rock, God's the rock, that he created all things and in all things and holds all things together in Christ. Everything comes back to and is connected to Christ. So the, the primary first bottom level understanding of the pattern is that Christ is primary and it all comes back to Christ. He's the rock upon which everything else is built. The second point, the call of the Christian and the call of Christ to all who will listen is to turn and repent, to turn and repent and to follow and to submit to Christ, building the foundation of your life on the rock of Christ. That's the gospel message, really, isn't it? That we come to this place in our life where we turn away from our own sin, our own will, our own desires, and we accept the way, the direction, and the life that Christ wants to give us. That's called repentance. Um, it's a word that some people don't like, right? We don't like the word repent. We, we, we hear that word repent, and we think of a fiery preacher pounding on the pulpit and spits flying and... Um, and he raises his voice and he yells and everybody cowers, repent. Um, you, maybe you think about an Old Testament uh, prophet. Um, some of those guys seemed like they were crazy, right? I mean, they were calling people to repentance. That simply means to come before the Lord and admit that you're not it. I'm not God. I have sinned. I can't fix that sin. I can't forgive that sin. I can't do enough to buy my way out of the, the result of that sin. And only through submitting to Christ and building the foundation of my life upon Christ, the rock, will I be saved. All right. Jesus is the rock. The call of Christians and the call of Christ to all who listen is to turn, repent, and submit. Now the result, the, what happens after 1 Peter chapters 1 and 2, and again, I'm not going to read all these scriptures today, but we're going we're gonna to breeze through them quickly. We learn that as a result of placing our faith in Christ and having Christ as a foundation, we are given a new birth. Scripture talks about this repeatedly. Peter talks about it. Paul teaches about it. And because of this gift of a new birth, we are to live a new life. The old is gone. And the new has come, the old way of living, the old way of relating to one another and relating to God in fear and in trembling uh, because of uh, a separation from him is gone. Now we're reunited with God in Christ and the new has come. So how do we live this new life? Again, I'm going <laughs> to hit a lot of points here. We do it by abiding in the word of God. We do it by abiding in the Word of God first. That is studying the Word, uh, devouring the Word, memorizing the Word, reading the Word. Um, this is, uh, as we'll see in, in one of our points later, this is the weapon of the Christian life, the sword of the Spirit, and it's important that we abide by what it says. 
We also live this new life by lifting, lifting up sacrifices of prayer and praise, similar to what we did this morning, but not limited to this morning. I hope that you spend time as Christ followers uh, praising God throughout the week. I hope that last week's message and the, the, the message on, on, on ordering and disciplining your thoughts and previous messages on bringing your worries and anxieties to the Lord because He's the God of peace. We're going to get to that in a minute. But, but I hope that those things are helping you to see that there are opportunities throughout your day to bring sacrifices of prayer and praise and to order your thoughts and to discipline your heart and your mind to follow the Father. Another point, by remaining in the fellowship of other believers, this is important and we might not talk about it enough. It is important to be not just connected with the Father and the Son and the Spirit and, and filled with the Spirit and, and functioning in a life uh, following Christ, but we are to stay connected to one another. Um, not just in this room, in a Sunday fellowship, but at all times. Uh, and we have a lot of opportunities to do that, maybe now more opportunities than past cultures have had. We have no excuse uh, to not stay connected with one another. And so one of the ways we live this new life is by remaining in the fellowship of other believers. We also are called to live a new life of witness, witnessing our faith in Christ, what He's done through us and in us to bring, him, uh, to bring us back to Him. We are to be witnesses of the greatness of God to the world. And lastly, to follow the example of the suffering service, servant, Jesus Christ. And we know throughout uh, the New Testament, Paul talks about uh, us being conformed into the image of Christ, that as we move further away from the old me and closer to the new me, I become more like Christ, and I am conformed into His image. Our new lives in Christ, then, are lived out, this is the fourth point, in three arenas, three areas, faith, love, and hope. In faith, we put off the old man, we put on the new man so that we can walk personally worthy of Jesus Christ. These passages and ideas are found primarily in Colossians 3, and we are actually going to read a little of Colossians 3 here. We walk worthy of Jesus. Uh, Paul in Colossians calls us to put off uh, two separate lists of five vices, five things that separate us from the Father. The first list is in Colossians 3, 4. Um, well, there it is. It's in 3.5. Sorry. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. It says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And then there's a second list that he says to put off, uh, and it is in verse 8 of chapter 3. He says, you must now put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. So we see that this call uh, in the faith arena to put off the old man and put on the new comes with some walking papers, if you will. 
here are things to do. Put these things off. Put off uh, immorality, impurity, uh, passion, evil desire, covetousness, idolatry, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk. And he doesn't just leave it with uh, a little hanging paragraph there. He tells us what to put on. We find that uh, continuing in Colossians 3. There are five virtues plus forgiveness and love. Let's read it together, starting in verse 12. It says, put on, so he said to put off these things, take off these things, and in turn, put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you so that you may also forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect harmony. So we put off these five things times two in this list of uh, Colossians um, vices, if you will, and we put on these five virtues plus forgiveness and love, and we walk in faith. Paul also says we live out our Christian life in the arena of love, and in that we let the Word of God richly dwell in us, the Spirit to fill us so that we may respond to others in the Word and in the Spirit. These are found primarily in 1 Peter 4, Ephesians 5, and also Colossians 3. And he talks about four attitudes uh, the attitude of teaching, using um, song even in singing, sing with your heart to the Lord, uh, characterized by a radical inner attitude to shift our mindset to praising. And we talked a little bit about that last week, right? There's a shift in the Christian mind away from doom and gloom and trouble and selfishness to praising. He also says there's an attitude that we put on of thanking, that our thankfulness is characterized by outward, by, I love the way the, the, the author that wrote this, radical outward articulation. Would you say that your thankfulness is radically outward and well articulated? Anybody? Uh, it should be. We should be the most thankful people, and we should be the most loud about it. In every experience, integrated into every way in our life. That's really what this pattern is about. And, and I think something that separates today's church from the early church is we live disintegrated lives. And I don't mean that they're disintegrated in a way that they're falling apart. Integrated is connected and functioning in a pardon the word, holistic way, not a new age idea, but in a way that's whole. Every part of my life touched by the Christian experience and the Christian life and Jesus. We tend to, in our culture, live in a disintegrated way, don't we? Where Jesus and the church and, and the Bible and the Father don't touch every part of our lives because there are parts of our lives that we keep him out of. And so Paul and Peter and the disciples remind us that there is a radical difference in the Christian walk in that Christianity, real Christianity, not just little c Christianity that the world throws that word around, real Christ-following, God-fearing Christianity integrates into 
every part of our life. And it's connected into every thought and every decision and every moment. And the fourth attitude he talks about is submitting. This is a culturally revolutionary pattern because we don't like to submit, do we? Uh, We want to be in charge. We want to be on top. We want to be number one. But so much of what Jesus teaches us uh, in the New Testament, in the Gospels, so much of what Paul talks about and Peter talks about is an attitude of submission in submitting one to another and in submitting to the Lord. Again, we're going to unpack some of this later. This is going to be good. I'm excited to get to this. So he says we have these four attitudes that are under that love arena, right, that love area. And then he says there are actions. And there's actually two identical sets of actions, one from Colossians and one from Ephesians. Um, and it's, there's, there's two sets, but there are five categories within that set. The first one is the husband-wife relationship, where he talks about the wife submitting to the husband and the husband loving the wife. We've all heard that one. I've taught on that one before. The next one is children obey your parents, fathers train your, train your children. So this is the next category. The next one after that is slave uh, and master uh, could also be understood in today's culture. In, in, if we don't have slaves. We could also understand this as an employee-employer mindset. The slave or employee is called to work hard. The master or employer is called to be fair and just. Then Paul talks about an insider-outsider. The insider is devoted to prayer. That's in here we're devoted to prayer, or at least we should be. And outside towards the world, we're wise and seasoned in our speech. Anybody struggle with that one? <laughs> we should look wise and we should look sound, appear, uh, hear, and act wise and seasoned to the outside. And then he says, the Christian life. We must be in subjection to one another, uh, subject to one another, in submission to one another. And then the authority, praise good and punish evil. So there's these five sets under love. And then he turns to hope. In hope, again, we watch and pray for Christ's return. And we've talked about this specifically often in this church, our local body. We talk about Christ's return a lot of times when we talk about Advent. Remember, Advent looks back at what, uh, what happened and transpired to Christ coming. We look at the, the, the facts surrounding Christ's birth, and then we look forward to Christ's return. So this hope idea uh, that we live in as Christians is when we watch and pray for his return, we encourage one another, we are renewed, and we resist evil. This is the category under which Christian warfare is found. Uh, warfare, uh, and talk about it in the Christian world and in the spiritual terms that we're going to talk about, are found primarily in 1 Corinthians 6, 1 Timothy 1, Titus 3, and Ephesians 6. I know that's a lot to write down, but she's frantically trying to remember it all as I went by it. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 1 Timothy 1. Titus 3, Ephesians 6. Again, we're going to unpack all this at depth. So if this feels like a water hose today, it is. It's a 50,000-foot water hose today. We're called to watch and pray, and we're reminded that our struggle is against rulers and authorities, powers of the dark world, spiritual forces, evil in the heavenly realms, right? We're, 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 we're 
told what our struggle is against and what our struggle is not against, right? Reminded that our struggles are primarily the powers of the dark world, spiritual forces in the evil and heavenly realms. And we're told to do some very specific things in response to that. Ephesians 6 talks about the, um, the armor of God. Uh, and it's something that we haven't taught about here since I've been here. We've talked, I've talked with a couple of you about it in the last couple of weeks. Um, the armor of God divided up into several parts, the belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, sheet, uh, feet shod with the gospel of peace and the readiness to share it, the shield of our own faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. And then there's, I love this, the, the, the guy I was reading this about when we studied this talks about the prayer of the four alls. That's out of Ephesians, and I'm going to read that because I've never heard it put that way before, and I was... I was taken by the name, and here it is, it's in Ephesians, it's uh, chapter 6, 16 through 18, the first half of 18, it says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. It's a lot of alls. Uh, and when you think about that verse in that way and you start to unpack that, it's like, okay, that's kind, of like, that's kind of like our walking papers, isn't it? Like, here's what you're supposed to do and when you're supposed to do it in all circumstances. That's all the time. Again, this gets at that, the integrated idea of our Christian walk, that our Christian walk and the spiritual world around it uh, is integrated into everything we do. It's not just like a sometimes thing. Sometimes there's spiritual battles, and sometimes there aren't. There's always spiritual battles. Satan never sleeps. <laughs> uh, his demons are always at work. Temptations are always on us. And the moment we think they're not, that's when we're in trouble. That's when we're in the most trouble. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Um, are, you, are you ever tempted? Are you ever hit by those darts? We actually can employ a tool that God has given us that's provided, right? Right, Carol? All things. We've been talking about this in our small group. We've been given all the things we need to extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, every temptation, every sinful thought, every, uh, every leaning to go the wrong direction. Uh, we're given power against those things if we only choose to employ the weapons and the armor that we've been given. Do we employ them? Take up the helmet of salvation, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit. Do you pray at all times in the spirit? I know some of you are trying. I've talked to a couple of you. And you're trying to pray at all times in the Spirit. And prayer is just a conversation. And one of the guys um, that was uh, important to us, I guess is a good way to put it, when we first arrived on the field uh, in Poland, uh, who was a, a supervisor of our supervisor, I loved the way he prayed. Whenever we were together and we would pray, he would always start out his prayer saying, and Father, and I listened to him pray a couple of times and I realized, okay, this is just a, an extension of the natural conversation he's already having. Whereas when some of us pray, I dare say maybe even many of us pray, it's like we hadn't talked to him in a while. <laughs> it's like, hey God, 
it's me. You might not remember me. I hadn't talked to you since yesterday. I'm sure he does, but I mean, let's be honest. He approached the father as if he had just finished speaking with him moments before and now was inviting us into that conversation with him by saying, and father, we pray for, and what, he would pray about whatever. And that's what this is getting at. That's what Paul is getting at when he, when he says, pray at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication, is that our lives are integrated into a, into a continual conversation with the father. Is that easy? Probably not. But, but, but maybe, Barbara's like, maybe, maybe. I don't know, Anna, is it easy? Some days. <laughs> right, let's be honest. Some days. Some days it is. And then finally, this is the wrap. This is the end of the pattern. We live our lives as witnesses by reproducing Christ followers. So this is the pattern Paul would take and teach and, and exhibit an example to people who would hear that message uh, in the towns and the places where they would go and they would become Christ followers and they would begin to live their lives out this way and then they would hand that pattern on to the next person and the next person and the next person. And this is important because Paul talks about it over and over again when he says, imitate me, live by my example, receive the pattern of teaching that I am giving to you. Um, and I think it's important for us. And maybe somewhere along the way between the early church and today's church, the pattern got muddled and we weren't really sure what we were doing. And I think if you go into most churches and say, what are we doing, why are we doing it, what do we believe, you would probably get some answers about some of this. But it would be rare, I think, that you would find a person that would have a cohesive, uh, integrated pattern that they could say, here's what I believe, here's what it's based on, here are the scriptures, here's why I do what I do, and I do these things. I do this, 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 this. I don't do this, 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 and this. I pray at all times in the Father. I stay connected to the body of Christ. I mean, I, I just don't think we would hear that. And so I'm convicted that, um, that we, we could return a little bit towards the early church in this way by, by grasping the pattern once again and beginning to live it out in our lives. Um, now, you'll notice behind me it says the God of peace because that's how he ends. That's how Paul ends this verse. Uh, he concludes this verse saying, and the God of peace will be with you. Our God is a God of peace. And maybe we need to lean on that God of peace today more than ever before. The world is a crazier place this week. I don't know how many times I've thought that in the last two or three years. It's like, wow, it's, it got crazier again this week. And the, the, the pace at which the craziness happens is picking up, in my opinion. But don't miss the word and here. I'm going to read the whole verse. Paul says, whatever you have learned, received, heard, and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. The and in this case uh, functions as a form of a condition. If anybody ever, I, I was early in school, uh, middle school-ish when computers started to be pushed out into the schools. Um, so that was, I don't know, anybody else, do you remember the first computers? And we would learn basic. Anybody ever learned basic? <laughs> 
So you know what an if-then is. An if-then, we still use that kind of coding in computer language. It's a lot more complicated now. But an if-then statement would be, if something happens, then do this. And the converse would be true. If that doesn't happen, then don't do it. And the and here functions in this same similar, in, in a similar way as a condition. He's saying, literally, if you practice or put into action the pattern that is learned and received and taught, then the God of peace will be with you. Of course, as with any condition, I wonder if the converse would be true. Right? The converse would be, if you don't put the pattern into practice, then the God of peace won't be with you. And maybe that's why we lack peace sometimes. Maybe that's why we have a lack of peace and we're stressed and we're anxious and we, we are, are dragged down by everything going on around us because we are not living the right way. We are not connected with the Father. We're not integrated wholly with Him in every area and in every avenue. We're fragmented. And it's hard to have peace when you're fragmented. Anybody just be honest, you feel fragmented today. It's tough sometimes with, with everything going on around us. Um, it's, it's, it's easy to feel fragmented. If we step back from this message and we look at the whole of what we've studied in the past weeks, what we're going to see is a cohesive and complete set of instructions about how to meet and find and live under a God who is peace. If you do these things, the God of peace will be with you. If you live this way, if you, dare I say, submit <laughs> your life to Jesus Christ and the Father and the Spirit according to His will, the God of peace will be with you. When anxiety rages, we learned the cure is prayer. And God's response is peace. When life is without order and without pattern and is not integrated, I like that disintegrated, although we think that means something else and we use it in different ways. It's, I'm using it as actually a dis with a hyphen. It's disintegrated. It's pulled apart from a, a relationship with the Father. When we're living fragmented lives, one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world, um, the cure to that is an ordered thought life. We talked about that last week. Uh, many of you took those handouts home. I noticed some of you laminated. Barbara had some laminated. You're carrying them around. You're using them. That's great. Ordering our thoughts and practical discipline in following God's set for pattern are the cure to life that is without order and without pattern. And again, what is God's response to that? The God of peace will be with you. Everything comes back to this idea of peace. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and mind. And the God of peace will be with you. And it all starts with submitting your life to Jesus Christ. You can't implement a pattern and integrate your life into being a Christ follower until you know Christ. <laughs> you can't follow Christ from afar. Many have tried. Maybe some of us in here are trying. This is up close and personal. 
And that's one of the reasons he said, live in a body of believers so we can walk together. We can lock arms together. We can pick somebody up when they fall down. We can support somebody when they're weak. The call to peace is a call to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And so I ask you today, do you know the God of peace? If the answer is yes, you know the pattern. At least you've heard some of it now, and I hope you grasp something from it today to say, I need to begin to integrate that part of the pattern into my life. Like I said, we'll get back to it so we can fully integrate all these ideas. Um, but maybe you have been trying to live a disintegrated life. You're holding back. There's an area of your life you're keeping for yourself or for the world. And it, Jesus is like, can I come into that room? No, 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 no. Can't come into the room. That's where I, that's where I do my job. Seriously, some of us, we keep God away from work. I don't do that. <laughs> surprisingly enough that would be difficult it would really be hard <laughs> if, for me it's 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 a little easier right maybe it's school hello can i come in nope sorry this is school no room for god here people will laugh people will think i'm crazy can i come into your thought life nope nope that's where i think about stuff that i know i shouldn't think about you can't come in there he already knows what you're thinking about in there he already knows what's going on in there. Can I come into those, those relationships? No, no. I, I know, you know, I, I have a feeling I probably shouldn't have these relationships, so no, I, you can't come in there. Because if you come in there, you make me feel bad about it. You'll convict me, the Holy Spirit and his little silent voice, and be like, hey, you, you probably shouldn't be doing that. Right? We've got to integrate. And so maybe that's where you're at today. You are living a disintegrated life with God. What is he calling you to do today? What door is he calling you to open? <laughs> You're not that, behold, I stand at the door and knock has a whole new meaning now, doesn't it? Because he wants to live integrated with us. Man, for me... It convicts me as much now as it did 20 years ago hearing my friend Mark pray when he said, and Father. And that is hard to have that conversation. I don't know, you would think the pastor would be like, ooh, he, he talks to God day and night. That's not always the case. I'm human. I'm human just like you are. Sometimes my thoughts get distracted. That's why the thought thing last week was so good for me. That's why I carried it around in my mind. What do I need to think about? What's beautiful? What's lovely? What's right? What's just? What's good? To, 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 to channel my thoughts into the things of, of God. What is it for you? And maybe you have the prayer part down, but it's another area. Whatever it is, you know what it is today. I don't have to call it out. The Father's speaking to you. The Holy Spirit's nudging it. <laughs> He's poking it. It's like, it's right there. It's this thing. Give it to me today. Let me have it. Let me in. Maybe you're on the out, 
You're looking in, you're thinking, you're praying, you're seeking, you're listening. Uh, you're open to the things of God, but you haven't received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior yet. And today's the day you say, you know what? Um, I, have, I have weighed the consequences of knowing versus not knowing, of following versus not following, and I'm ready today to be all in. All you have to do is ask. There's not a magic prayer found in Scripture. Uh, I'm not going to give you a magic prayer, and I'm not going to say the words for you. All you got to do is go to the Father and say, Father, I've sinned against you. It's as simple as that. I have sinned. I have failed. I have tried to run the race on my own and do my own thing. Father, forgive me. Forgive me today for my sin. I believe in Jesus Christ, your Son. I believe you sent him to save me. I believe that he went to the cross and carried my sin. I believe he died and went to the grave and he rose again and was victorious over sin. And because of that, he can save me. He can, he can reunite me with you. Father, I want to be reunited with you today. In the way Adam and Eve were in the beginning of the creation, Lord, Father, I want to be reconnected to you. I want to be reintegrated <laughs> to you. Whatever the Lord is doing today, wherever you are in your walk, just be honest with the Father and ask Him to take you to that next level, to that next place, that you not be stagnant, that you not look back in a year and go, man, I haven't moved in a year. That's painful when you look back and you're like, I haven't, nothing's changed in a year. You ever had that moment? There's like, nothing's changed in a year. That's not a good moment. I'm going to look back in a year and go, wow, <laughs> the Lord has really done something amazing. The Lord is ready to do amazing things. And the God of peace will be with you and guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, whatever decisions are being made or, or wrangled with around the room today, Lord Father, I just pray that people will seek you and find you, Lord. We know that where two or three are gathered in your name and they're praying, Lord, you're with us. We know you're here today, not because of our own merit, uh, not because of any other thing other than your goodness and your faithfulness and your promise to be here because you said you would be. And so, Lord, we know we're with you today and you're with us. Lord, Father, we just ask that at, at whatever point we're coming to meet you, we would move forward. Move us forward, Father whether it's in a tighter, more integrated relationship, whether it's taking that foot out of the world, opening that door to that place that I don't like to talk about, or whether it's asking you to save me for the first time, whatever it is, Lord, today. We thank you for hearing us. We thank you for working. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the pattern that Paul and Peter and the others laid down. Lord, we thank you for the early church uh, that 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 grew and exploded in such a way that your church is still alive today. Lord, we thank you, and we love you, and we honor you. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.